You are listening to Sermon Snippets with Max Taylor, where we exposit God's Word and apply its instruction to our everyday lives. As we study God's Word, we are learning truth that corrects our thinking, meets our needs, and teaches us more about Christ. Here's your host, Max Taylor. If you've ever read anything about Roman history or the history of the Roman Empire, it is both fascinating and horrifying at the same time. And today we're in Daniel chapter 7, continuing in this vision that Daniel himself received personally. And we're looking at the Roman Empire. And this is a vast topic that we are going to try to cover in probably two episodes. Um, I just don't think I can get, you know, even a summary in in one 15-minute podcast. So we'll do the best that we can, but it's probably going to take this week and next week to cover some of uh, the important points from both this prophecy in scripture and in history as the two work in tandem together to give us a picture of what God is doing in human history as God is on the throne and as he has always been in control. So let's start reading in Daniel 7 verse 15. And we've read this before, but we'll read it again to refresh our minds here. It says, I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of the things. Very interesting that he's already been given an explanation. And then verse 17 says, These great beasts, which are four are four kings which shall arise out of the earth, but the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. So there's his his answer. There's the explanation. But then he has a further question. He's particularly uh, mystified by and uh, curious about this fourth beast. So he, he approaches and he asks in verse 19, Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and his nails of brass, which devoured, break in pieces, and stomped the residue with his feet. And of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even of that horn which had eyes and a mouth, that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints, and prevailed against them until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. And then in verse 23 we read, Then he said, So this entire couple of verses is all Daniel's question. And I love how he gives so much information, so much truth, even within his question. And there's a really important lesson for us in this, that while we still have questions, we can rest on the things that we know. Even in his question, he gives this this answer. Um, He doesn't leave the question unresolved. He says, I know how it ends. What I saw is that the Ancient of Days is going to come and judgment will be given to the saints of the Most High and the saints will possess the kingdom. But I'm curious about this fourth beast. 
what an example for us and how we should come to the Lord with our own questions. Bring your questions, you know, seek God's answers in his word, but also rely on the things that we do know. Uh, have that resolve of what God has already promised and what we are clear on. Um, and that'll do a lot to help us uh, not to doubt the Lord because we're relying on those things that we know. That's that's incredible how Daniel phrases his question. Verse 23, Then he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of his kingdom are ten kings that shall arise and another shall rise after them. And he said, um, and he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. And then we'll continue uh, with verse 26 after we finish with Rome. But that's the answer. And we're looking at some ugly realities in this prophecy. And it's all about Rome, this brutal empire. Rome was both beautiful and brutal at the same time. It was incredibly impressive, but also terrifying. And there's some silver linings sprinkled throughout this this prophecy. But I want to cover some ground here, so we're going to be moving quick through this. The first thing I want to mention is how do we know this is Rome? Okay, Because you can read commentaries, you can hear uh, preachers, and you know you have to ask the question, how do we even know that this is Rome? There's three main arguments that I want to give as to why I believe this is Rome. First comes from comparing Scripture with Scripture. So if you remember back to Daniel chapter 2, the vision of Nebuchadnezzar, the vision that Nebuchadnezzar had of the image with legs of iron, and that represented the Roman Empire. And there's a couple key things about that that make the legs of iron unique. The first is their weight, because iron would have been the heaviest of all the materials in that image. And we, we mentioned some of these things in a, a previous podcast. But the weight of of that is unique, and then also the length of it. And as John Phillips points out, the Roman Empire was actually the longest-lasting empire by far of all these others. So you have the Babylonian Empire lasted barely 70 years, the Persian Empire about 200 years, the Greek Empire was about 180 years, but the Roman Empire lasted 500 years And then it went into this dormant stage, but it's still basically around today and it's awaiting its resurrection. So the Roman Empire really has never officially gone away. And that's kind of where we're at right now. So interesting, when we compare Daniel chapter 2 and what Rome represents there, and then we go to Revelation 13. And we also see Rome described a little differently, but also with some key similarities. And there it's pictured as a leopard with the same ten horns and seven heads. Now this is the key. This ties together the ten horns from what we're reading here in Daniel chapter 7 with seven 
heads. And we're told in Revelation that that represents seven mountains. And that's a historic, that's a classic reference to Rome. It's the city built upon seven hills. Then in Revelation 17, all of this is under the first, my first argument here. Why is this Rome? Because of comparing scripture with scripture. The, the prophecy in Revelation 17 gives us a little more information because it details a scarlet woman who's riding upon a beast, which is identified as Rome. So we can make a pretty solid argument from just these cross-references. The second reason why we can know that this is Rome is because the description of what this beast does in the passage itself. So it's destroying, devouring the whole earth. That would definitely be the Roman Empire, the largest, uh, most extensive empire. It has 10 horns. We've already talked about that a little bit, but there were actually 10 Roman emperors, uh, depending on which you know time frame of Roman history we're talking. But there were 10 distinct Roman emperors that kind of lines up with those 10 horns. Um, and it makes war with the saints. This kingdom, this emperor or empire was one of the most brutal towards Christianity, towards the true followers of Christ. So that all matches up. The description matches Roman, the Roman Empire. And we know that from what the beast will do. And again, combining this passage with the references in Revelation and with what we've seen through history. And the third reason why we know that this is Rome is because of the nature of prophecy itself. So part of prophecy is determined from observation. And so what that means is that as time goes on and the more of history we actually watch being played out and then we can look back on past centuries, we can begin to identify what prophecy was talking about. Just because the nature of prophecy, we don't always know what it's referring to ahead of time, but when we live through it and we look back on it, then it starts to make sense. That's just, it's referred to as progressive illumination. So as time goes on, prophecy becomes more and more apparent, more and more evident as to what it actually means. And that does not in any way take away from the force of prophecy. It doesn't make prophecy any less forceful. It actually adds another dimension to the prophecy that people would have had no way of knowing in previous generations. So truly, in our time, knowledge is increasing and as Proverbs says, the path of the just grows brighter and brighter until the perfect day. Proverbs chapter 4. So we can reasonably assume that this is referring to Rome based on comparing scripture with scripture, describing what this beast does, the description of the passage itself, and thirdly, the nature of prophecy and progressive illumination. Now, Rome represents two main things. First off, it's a political empire. And second off, there's a very important religious component. Because Rome represents, really, adultery with paganism. It's this merger between Christianity and dark occultic mysticism. It's a uh, form of syncretism between Christianity and the worldly practices of paganism. And actually, Romanism 
or Catholicism has led more people away from Christianity, from Christ, than any other thing. And Romanism has always hated true followers of Christ, true believers, and has sought to destroy them. So I want to mention some of these phases of the Roman Empire, and we'll get as far as we can into this. I know we won't be able to finish this this week. A lot to cover with Rome, just a fascinating uh, topic here in Scripture. So we'll start out with ancient Rome, okay? And where we have to really start with this, Rome, the Roman Empire, and what it came to embody, what it represented, started all the way back with Babylonian mysticism. All the way back in Genesis, with the first uh, world leader who led a rebellion against God's command to disperse and populate the whole earth, and that was Nimrod, he assembled... He led in the assembly of the inhabitants of the earth after the flood to come together to try to erect the Tower of Babel. And that was really the birthplace of all kinds of mysticism, of pagan religious practices. And that's really where part of the religious side of the Roman Empire can trace its roots back to. And so that's basically always been around. Okay, so we can see traces of the Roman Empire back long before it was, you know, a Western European uh, force that conquered the world, long before the official Western Roman Empire rose to power, long before Julius Caesar and all of his successors. The Roman Empire really started all the way back in Babylon. And we will continue with several of these phases of the Roman Empire and how it has attacked Christianity, how it has harmed the cause of Christ over the centuries. We'll continue more with that next week. But remember to rely on the things that we do know and don't let that shake your faith in God. Thank you for listening to Sermon Snippets. If this Bible study is a help to you, consider downloading the weekly episodes or sharing this podcast with a friend. Until next time, remember that God's Word is perfect, and it's everything you need to live for Him.